You're listening to The Uncommon Podcast, where we celebrate the stories of men and women who are living uncommon lives. These individuals pursue excellence and purpose in their relationships and work. They optimize their health and stewardship, and they embody victorious vision and fervent faith. Be inspired and encouraged to follow your own uncommon path and live a life of authenticity, accountability, and adventure. Hello and welcome to The Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, back with some more uncommon content. And I want to start this episode with a sobering question, and that is, what comes to mind when you think about death and dying? So what emotions surface? Is it fear, anxiety, maybe peace, contentment, joy? Does your mind go to the all-pervading question, what happens to you after you die? You know, if you ask 10 people on the street that question, you're likely to get 10 different answers. Does the reality of death make you consider your relationship with time, which is our most precious and finite resource that we have on this planet? As a result, the urgency with which you want to live a meaningful or uncommon life? Or do you start thinking about ways to stymie your inevitable death, whether through various health measures or by living an ultra-careful and risk-free existence. Now, right up front, please know that I don't broach this topic to be intentionally morbid. If I'm honest, death isn't something that I obsess over or even think about on a regular basis. I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. But the reason I bring up death is because I believe it is tied in with another topic that has picked up a ton of steam in recent years. As you may know, if you've been listening to our show for a while or you're familiar with our uncommon pillars, one of those is holistic health. The idea of optimizing your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And health is a non-negotiable component for living an uncommon life. If you struggle with your health, whether that is your physical health, maybe you battle chronic sickness, fatigue, or obesity, perhaps it's your mental health. It's estimated that one in five U.S. adults live with some type of mental illness, which was roughly 57.8 million in 2021. Or maybe it's your emotional health, or perhaps some combination of those. If you struggle to optimize your health, then that will very likely have an adverse effect on all of our other pillars, our relationships, our work, our stewardship, our life vision, and and even um, post challenges to our faith. But on the flip side, What does it look like for your health to be dialed in? You get the proper amount of sleep, you regularly exercise, you're fueling your body with the food and maybe even supplements that it needs, you're mentally healthy. For many people, that means taking regular medication as prescribed by your doctor. You're emotionally healthy and practicing productive pause and regular rhythms of rest. These are just some of the factors that contribute to holistic health. And if you've got this pillar nailed down, then it will positively impact all other areas of your life. You will be able to have stronger, more authentic relationships. You'll have more energy, more focus and drive to perform in your work, optimize the management of your time, talents, and resources, your faith and relationships with your creator, offering your body as a living sacrifice, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, being the temple of of God's spirit, renewing your mind to cultivate healthy, life-giving thoughts. And there are many experts out there 
who can provide you with instruction and resources to get healthy. There are also many self-proclaimed gurus spreading misinformation. It's crazy because for any one claim on what you should do to enhance your health, you can find countless studies and claims that directly refute that. So admittedly, this is a confusing and cluttered space. My advice is to do your due diligence and make the choices that afford you the greatest level of health and everyone is different. I'm certainly not an expert when it comes to many of the facets of living healthy, but I do live a healthy and active life or I aspire to and and do the following. I eat healthy meals. I cook our meals. We're not buying food from, from fast food joints. I try to drink a gallon of water every day. I moderate my alcohol consumption. I don't smoke. I exercise four plus times a week, doing CrossFit, biking, going on rucks, occasional yoga, play ultimate frisbee when it's nice out, sauna and cold plunge and and more. I practice daily productive pause for my mental emotional health. So that involves reading, prayer, breath work, meditation, visualization, journaling. I play brain games on my phone. There's an app called Elevate and that uh, just hones my brain in the areas of writing and speaking, reading comprehension, math, which I'm not especially gifted in, as well as memory skills. So I share all this not to try to, you know, portray myself as an expert or having cultivated perfect health across the board, but rather to give you an idea of the healthy lifestyle that I'm I'm trying to create. And pursuing holistic health not only helps me feel better about myself, but also helps me show up better and more focused as a husband, father, friend, in my work, and all the other areas of my life. And in light of this appeal to our pillar of holistic health, the topic, bringing it full circle, that I want to explore today is the idea of longevity. So longevity, that can be defined as a long duration of individual life or length of life. As living conditions improve and the science of medicine advances, The longevity or life expectancy of average Americans, as well as people worldwide, has increased considerably. But in America, it's increased from about 45 years in 1900 to over 75 years today. And more and more thought leaders and health gurus are addressing this idea of longevity. I'm hearing more and more people talk about the real chance that people alive today might live well into their hundreds. Research by the University of Washington posits that by the end of this century, a lifespan of 125 years or even 130 years will be possible, which is pretty mind-blowing. These are like biblical ages. Care to take a guess at who holds the record for the oldest human? My research showed that it was Jean or Jean Calment of France who died in 1997 at the age of 122 years and 164 days. This record has stood for a quarter century. However, many experts are predicting that life expectancy will continue to increase and that record may be broken by the year 2100. And maybe you'll be the one to break it. But I shared in a previous episode about the uh, docuseries uh, Limitless starring Chris Hemsworth in which he tackles various mental and physical challenges to his own longevity. And in that show, he confronts his own mortality. The reality that in spite of how well he takes care of his physical and mental health, regardless of how perfect of a you know physical specimen he is, the guy plays Thor, for crying out loud, but inevitably time keeps on ticking and time is undefeated. And this idea on enhanced longevity really crystallized for me after I watched another docuseries called Live to 100 Secrets of the Blue Zones, and that's on Netflix. And in it, author and educator Dan Bootner 
uncovers the mystery behind several places in the world that are home to the highest rates of centenarians or people who live into their hundreds. And it's five episodes. I'm not all the way through, but I'm a few episodes in and I've taken some notes. And I wanted to spend some time even talking about these different places and then breaking down some of the factors that contribute to each of these locations being blue zones. So there's a really cool longevity wheel that breaks down uh, some of the factors that contribute to the longevity, which I'll get into. But first, just some kind of high-level points from this series and their findings. Really the things that most people think will lead to a long life. So gym membership, diet plans, and then also just expensive supplements. And yeah, there's tons of supplements out there and I'm not a supplement guy. Not that I have any any aversion to them. It's just like I haven't done the research, so I, I don't take it. And I try to get the nutrients I need through healthy eating. But a lot of these things that people associate with a longer life are, in fact, misguided. Um, and the goal should not be necessarily to prevent death, but to learn how to live. So go from playing defense to offense. And that's really what they get into in the secrets of the Blue Zones. So... There are five locations in the world where people are living to the age of 100 at the highest rates. And not only are they living that long, but they're thriving even in old age. So these aren't people that are living into 100s and they're just sitting in nursing homes. Like They're living in their own houses still. They're working or they're at least busy and active. They have abundance of healthy relationships and they have purpose. So what are these blue zones? Where are they? The first one's in Okinawa, Japan. The second is Nuro province in Sardinia. There's the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. There's Ikaria, Greece. And the last one was Loma Linda in California. And I won't go through each of these and break down the various factors that contribute to these places being blue zones. And again, I haven't made it all the way through the series, so I'd encourage you to watch it. But I'll go through a couple of them and just kind of pull out some of the factors. So the first one was Okinawa, Japan. A big thing for the people there is their diet. They eat foods like uh, Benny Emo, which is a purple sweet potato. These are typhoon-proof root veggies that are packed with complex carbohydrates and fiber. They contain 150% more antioxidants than blueberries. They eat a diet consisting of a lot of soy products like tofu, which is a great source of protein and good fats. It's important to note that it's not just one or two foods that contribute to their longevity, but more so it's a range of healthy foods. And it showed, you know, women cooking and their diets really reflected like the colors of the rainbow. And I've heard that, yeah, the more your food can look like the rainbow, the more colors there are, the better. And then a big thing for them is not just what they eat, but how much, their portion control. And they're eating calorie-dense foods, so they're just not overeating like the majority of people in America. Aside from their diet, the people in Okinawa are, for the most part, living very active lives. They, a simple thing, but they regularly sit on the floor. So in Okinawa, they're not traditionally, they don't traditionally have cushy sofas or lazy boys and all you need to know about a lazy boy is in the name but they sit on cushions on the floor and as a result they're getting up and down off the ground 30 plus times a day they're also spending time gardening which involves bending over using range of motion balance and core strength 
these people in their nineties and in their hundreds, like they're, they're walking around, they're active, they're sitting on the ground, they're standing up. Contrastingly in America, one of the top 10 causes of death for the elderly are, is from falling down. So that's Okinawa, Japan. Again, there's a lot more that goes into it, but I want to move on to the next place and that's the Neuro province, Sardinia. And I won't spend a lot of time here, but the thing that really stood out to me was uh, the steep pitch of their village. So this is a tiny village, just picture classic kind of Italian looking village, cobblestone streets, just winding streets and stone steps. And these people are constantly walking up and down these hills and steps and they walk everywhere. Most people aren't even driving. And if they are taking transportation, it's, it's a bike. So they're walking and they're exerting that energy and burning calories um, by walking up and down hills. They also have, um, there's a culture of community in the Neuro province. There are no retirement homes, so people take care of their elderly family members, and the elderly are really valued there. And their their purpose is is reinforced to them. They are told that they matter, and the way that they're cared for is a reflection of that. So again, don't have any any breakdowns for the the final three blue zones, but I still need to watch it, and I would encourage you to do the same. But those are the Nicoya, Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica, Icaria, Greece, Loma Linda, California. So those are the blue zones, and I want to get into this longevity wheel, which breaks down these main factors that contribute to longevity. And there's four main four main uh, categories. The first is moving naturally, so that's like hands-on activity, dexterity gardening, being out in nature, obviously walking is a big thing. Like people in their nineties, they're not, they're not running because they, they can't do that necessarily, but they do things like Tai Chi or they swim or they just do a lot of walking. So they're moving naturally. Like movement is built into the everyday activities of their lives. The second category is outlook and perspective. So unwinding, just having fun. I think it's so easy to underestimate the crucial benefits of living a fun life and the benefits that having fun has on our overall health. And these people that I saw on this show, it's like, yeah, they're not they're not running around playing ultimate frisbee, but they're playing board games with friends. They're tossing a ball around with their dog or or playing with their grandkids and they're just enjoying life. Faith is a big aspect of it when you, you know, for us who are, are followers of Christ, that, that plays a huge role in my mental and emotional health specifically. And when I'm struggling those, in those areas, I can, can rest in my faith in Christ and I can pray and I can um, dwell on his word and in the truths in his word and the, and the promises and the hope that I have there that can, can bolster and strengthen my mental and emotional health. And then the third kind of component of this outlook and perspective was this idea of purpose. So these older people are volunteering or practicing philanthropy for Okinawans. It's the principle of the Ikigai, which is a personal mission. It's their contribution to the world that leaves a lasting legacy after they pass. And that's that really resonates with our emphasis on knowing and living out your core values. Like who are you as an individual? What are the non-negotiable principles that you build your life upon? 
And even in old age, how does that give you a greater sense of purpose and the desire and the motivation to make the most of every day to build upon the legacy that you're creating? So that's outlook and perspective. The third category of that that wheel is eating well. And diet is a huge component of this. They get into just having more of a plant-based diet. Not that, that meat is necessarily bad, but um, really just emphasizing vegetables and fruits. They also talk about just moderation, so portion control. Like Too much of a good thing can, can be unhealthy. The fourth component of the wheel is connection. So family first, prioritizing relationships with loved ones, partnership, um, which, you know, your romantic partnership can can really add to your overall health. And then just finding the right tribe. That's finding groups of, of like-minded people that identify with your core values and your mission in life and want to encourage that. I think of even the verse um, in the Bible that that says like, just talks about church and the gathering and says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but all the more as you see the day approaching, like continue to um, spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And that to me is the Christian tribe that I have in my life. It's the Thursday morning um, guys group that, that I'm a part of that really just start, was birthed out of a desire to get to know some of the men in my church better and really invest in those friendships and and not just sit around drinking coffee and just chit-chatting, but talking about important things, talking about our relationship with the Lord, talking about who we aspire to be as men and, and the goals and the dreams that we have and the, our struggles in our marriage as well as the things we're celebrating and our struggles in parenting and the things that we're celebrating and and be able to lift each other up in prayer like that has been so life-giving for me and I would say in general it's better to pursue longevity than not whatever your motives are for living a long and healthy life I don't think many of us would argue that it's better to live an unhealthy life and die young but I think I think what's come to the surface for me as I am hearing more and more people talk about longevity and, and get excited about it, I was like, well, we're going to live into our hundreds and 120 and like maybe even 150 and all these advancements in technology and medication. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. But it also brings to mind the question of what is at the heart of man's desire to live longer? And is that something that that glorifies God? Is it something that his word promotes? Or is it is sin at the, the root of that desire to extend our lives? I think part of it is we're, we're trying to escape the pain and brokenness of this world. And we know, for those of us that are believers, we know that the sin curse has, has caused this world to be broken. And Romans 8.22 says, The whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs, and we are awaiting the return of Christ to forever liberate us from the bondage uh, to sin and corruption. And the irony here is that the only way to escape the pain of our broken world is to leave our broken world. It's to, to die. And for those who have placed their faith in Christ, to enter into a new life of glory with our Creator. I think another question that's come up for me 
as I consider longevity is what are the benefits of aging and actually feeling the effects of our bodies breaking down? Like no one, no one wants to experience that, but I think, and granted I'm in my mid thirties. I I would say I haven't yet started other than seeing some gray hairs pop up here and there. I'm not fully feeling the effects of my body starting to deteriorate, but that's not to say that there aren't some benefits of that. You know, what are some of the effects of aging on our health? Our bodies grow weaker, our vision darkens, our memories fade, and our vitality wanes. And while that sounds depressing, like what if we could reframe this reality and see it as an opportunity to grow more and more reliant on God and his sufficient grace? As our senses, our physical senses are dimming, we can press more into uh, God and his presence to sustain us and to guide us. And 2 Corinthians 4.16, I think, speaks to this. It says, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So we do not lose heart or give up. We persevere. A big aspect of physical health is that it can breed self-reliance. When people idolize their physical health and they're ultra fixated on achieving the quote-unquote perfect body or physique, they're constantly in the gym and they're fixated on the exact you know supplements that they need to be taking i think that's a trap even for believers and for myself that we can become very self-reliant and we think that our well-being is actually in our hands and within our control but that can all be taken away in the blink of an eye you could have an accident you could be given a a terminal diagnosis as god's word says we're not promised tomorrow so i think especially if we have been blessed with the gift of health we need to offer that back to the lord and and honor him with that and not not idolize our physical well-being and not let a spirit of of self-reliance take root So what does God's word say about our health, our body, and our mortality? It has a lot to say. And I just have picked out a couple passages that I wanted to look at. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in a spiritual sense, we have shared in Christ's death and is in his resurrection. So... Even though we, we have physical life in this world, we need to be mindful that our true lives will begin in eternity when we are made new because of what Christ has done. I kind of look at it as like, man, my life hasn't even really started yet, but what I do in this life and, and how I live it does truly matter. And that goes right into this next passage in Philippians 1. This is Paul writing, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress enjoying the faith. So Paul really puts it in perspective here that the best scenario for us 
would be for this life to end. For those of us who have put our faith in Christ, like we should be eagerly looking forward to entering into eternity, which that only happens through death, passing on from this life, or if Christ returns and calls us home. He says that is better by far, but he acknowledges that it's more necessary for those that he's ministering to that he stays alive and remains in the body. And he says, if I'm going to continue on living in this body, that means fruitful labor. And that is, that is good. I think that speaks perfectly into this idea of longevity. It's like, why are so many people consumed with this idea of living longer? I don't think it's necessarily because they're excited about the fruitful labor that that will afford them. I think it's just because they're either afraid of death or they just idolize this earthly existence because it's all they know and it's all they believe in and and they just want to go on living a selfish existence. And that is, that's why I wanted to talk about this because I don't think that it is inherently wrong to desire to live longer. But with everything, it comes back to what are the motives of your heart. If you're excited about advancement, advancements in technology and, and medicine and you're like, oh man, we might, might be able to live until I'm 120. It's like, well, what are you going to do with that? If we get to live a little less than twice as long as like the average lifespan that people have been enjoying, what are we going to do with twice the life? What impact are we going to make for God's kingdom? Not, not what kingdom, what finite temporal kingdom are we going to build for ourselves here in this, this life, but what impact are we going to do? What fruitful labor are we going to get excited about? You know, for me, this, this entire conversation boils down to, to the question of not how do I increase my longevity, but rather what is the motive for increased longevity? Am I just trying to cheat death? Which again, no one can do that for long. Like time is undefeated. If I really believe in God's eternal kingdom, a place where God will wipe away every tear, there'll be no more death or sorrow, or crying, no pain, no sadness, only joy in our full redemption in Christ. If I truly believe in that, then I can identify with Paul's claim that to die is is gain. It's not that I want to die tomorrow, but do I look forward to living to 120 more than I look forward to living forever with my creator? That's really all I wanted to get into. This is a little more of a off-the-cuff kind of rumination of my thoughts and Kind of some stream of conscious. I felt felt a little little scatterbrained, but hopefully the the important points landed. And as far as outro and action steps, I mean, definitely my my encouragement to everyone who listens to this is to aspire to live a healthy life, physically, mentally, emotionally. Take care of yourself. When you take care of yourself, you can take care of those around you. You no one, none of us want to be a burden to our loved ones. If I can be like those Okinawans in my 80s and get on the the floor and play with my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and then get up and go for a walk, man, that's, that's a huge win. And I would encourage you also to just spend some time reflecting around this idea of longevity. If it's something that was on your radar and maybe you were putting a lot of emphasis on, just ask yourself why and... Maybe spend some time journaling and even even casting some vision around 
what kind of impact you'd want to create for God's kingdom if if he did bless you with 120 years of life. So I hope this was insightful. I hope it was impactful. Let's go out and live long and healthy lives for God's glory. Thank you for listening to The Uncommon Podcast. If you have benefited from our show, I would ask you to follow, rate, and review, and share our show. And be sure to check out our website at theuncommon.com, where you can learn more about our mission, sign up for one of our live experiences, and take advantage of many resources that will empower you on your uncommon journey.